0: Early in the 1700s, Isaac Watts went against the the practice of the Church of England, and he did this by writing new poetry, and then putting them to music, and he called them hymns. Well, in 1719, he wrote a song based off of his meditations from psalm 98 and that psalm psalm 98 in that psalm it tells us to make a joyful noise to the lord all the earth break forth it says break forth into joyous song and sing praises as he read psalm 98 isaac pondered you know what is this what is the real reason for for Breaking forth joyfully or shouting forth joyfully to the Lord. And he came to the realization that the only thing that could bring us to that kind of joy is the understanding that Christ the Messiah has come. Christ has come and he has come to redeem us from our sin. And so the result was a timeless carol that has brightened our Christmas for over 300 years. Do you know what, Carol, I'm talking about? Joy to the world. It's over 300 years old. We sang a version of it just a moment ago, uh, coupled together with another old song called Ode to Joy. Uh, But the the words of that song, uh, think about them for a moment joy to the world why the Lord has come let earth receive her king Isaac was not taking it for granted that Jesus would just be the king but he understood scripture and that we must receive the king and then the next words so poignant it shows his heart For love of his fellow man, let every heart prepare him room. Make room in your heart for the Lord, is what he was saying. You know, the third verse is a verse that uh, we as Baptists typically try to skip all, you know, third verses of hymns right i mean that's just the the baptist way of doing things and so i want us to think for just a moment about this third verse of joy to the world says no more let sins or sorrows grow nor thorns infest the ground what's he talking about here well the the thorns infesting the ground it it harkens back to the consequences of sin we go all the way back to genesis chapter 3 and Adam and Eve and their decision to disobey God and the results, the consequence was thorns weeds, making it harder for mankind to grow food so, and, and so this is a picture of the consequences of sin so no more let sin and sorrows grow nor thorns infest the ground he co- comes to us sorry let me try again he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found what curse? the curse of sin the curse of sin how far does the curse of sin go? was it just for Adam and Eve? no how far does the curse of sin go? generations, until today, I passed it on to my children. If you don't believe me, let me tell you about my children. I'm just kidding. You passed it on to your children. The curse of sin is never-ending, but praise the Lord, He rules the world with truth and grace. And it's because of his grace that we can overcome the curse of sin. Not by our own power, not by our own might, not by our own doings. There's nothing we can do to work or earn that favor with God, but because of his grace, that unmerited favor, he makes the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love Manifest in our heart, what better reason should we proclaim joy than that? The fact that his righteousness has now been imputed or or put into the account of my sinful nature. it's his righteousness that God sees when God looks at me. Why? Because I have trusted in his son Jesus by grace through faith. So every year at Christmas time, we proclaim joy to the world, the Lord has come. But what does that joy look like in our day to day lives? How should we describe this concept of joy? on the video a moment ago it said you know is it the bottle of dish soap that you keep under the kitchen sink or is it a jolly looking man in a red suit is joy something that we can still experience today that's the real question or is it a myth is it something that we've given up on Are we just going to settle for hopefully our lives will not be filled with pain and unhappiness and depression? If we can just stay away from those things, I I don't care if I have joy, just help me not to be depressed, discouraged, in pain. Well, about five years ago, there was a church in London, England that produced a video where they asked several people this simple question, and the question was, what is joy? I want you to think about that question for a moment. In your heart, in your mind today, if I ask you the question, what is joy, how would you answer that question? What is joy? You know, if I think about it, um, uh, you know, i'm i'm not yet blessed to have this opportunity personally but um when when i looked into the face of of my great nephew spencer that's joy incarnate you know i mean just this he's he's one of the cutest little kids in the world unfortunately he he lives uh 13 hours away from here so i don't get seen very much but the great news is now he has twin brothers uh, that are younger than him, so I'm, I'm looking forward to a double dose of joy maybe, I don't know. I've seen some of their faces in their pictures and one of them looks joyful, the other not so much. So uh, we'll see, I don't know. But what is joy? When you think about joy, what comes to your mind? On this video, there were lots of different answers. I wanted to share some of them with you today. One gentleman said, joy is an expression of delight or a celebration. Another said, joy is the view from a mountaintop. that's, That's a good place to be. One young lady said, joy is seeing my loved ones being happy. Another said, joy is probably when something makes you really happy deep inside. Or joy is when I go out into a a sunny day in London. Man, if you're depending upon a sunny day in London to make you joyful, you're not going to be very joyful very often. (laughs) But, you know, I get it. (laughs) Joy is family time by the fireplace. One, One young girl said, joy is finishing school, which I was like, oh, I totally get that several of you teachers are feeling that right now too but then they added and getting new homework assignments I was like who is this child <laughs> and appropriately the next person said joy is laughter another said I think joy is a combination of peace and happiness joy is more than just a feeling Joy is that full feeling, one gentleman said, that full feeling on a Sunday when you've just had Sunday lunch. (laughs) Joy means being able to sing when things are difficult. True joy is when I can be joyful even in the midst of trouble, they said. in the sermon bumper i played just a moment ago the video stated that joy is like opening a window and smelling the breeze in a stale room have you ever been in a situation like that cleaning out a house that's been closed up and there's dust everywhere and you just open up the window and all of a sudden you have that clean air fresh breeze it went on and said, joy breathes. Open our hearts to joy, God. Let us shake off the layers of dust. Let us shake off the layers of doubt and depression because joy surrounds us. Joy lifts us. Joy remembers. And then it said, we're made for joy. You know, I think one of the biggest problems that we have with being joyful And hear me out on this, okay? I think one of the biggest problems we have with being joyful is peer pressure. (laughs) That may be a word that you haven't heard in a while, if it's been a while since you've been in high school. Uh, But you know what? We still have peer pressure today. I think peer pressure is a, a main issue in why we are afraid to experience joy. You see, we are constantly trying to convince everybody around us that our life is difficult and that we are super busy. In fact, we we try to portray this image of that everything in the world would fall apart if we weren't there to hold it all together. How many times... You walk up to somebody and they say, Oh, how, how's it been going? Oh, I'm busy. Oh, duh, oh, and they just go on and on. I mean, it's, it, it makes it sound miserable. But there's something in our society today that if you're not busy, if you're not overwhelmed, then somehow you are not meeting your potential. At least that's what society pressures make it feel like. We portray an image that everything's going to fall apart if, we don't keep, if we're not there to keep the plates spinning. And you know what? It's difficult to sell that image if we are consistently joyful in our daily life. If we're joyful in our daily lives, then we're not bemoaning all the things that we have to do. We're not complaining about all the the difficulties that we're facing. Well, the question is then, if, if we are to be joyful, what do we have to be joyful about? Well, let's take a cue from our ancestor Isaac Watts. Who came to realize that Jesus' arrival here on earth is the greatest reason for being joyful. He, Jesus Christ, is our joy for this world. And so that's what we've been looking at these past few weeks. We've been looking at Isaiah's prophecies. And if you want to turn to the book of Isaiah, we'll be there again today in chapter 9. We've been looking at Isaiah's prophecies concerning the Messiahs. Um, the Messiah's coming. Sorry, I didn't finish my sentence. And, and so we're going to look at those prophecies again today, but then we're going to jump ahead and look at another prophecy that occurred just before the arrival of the Messiah, and that is Zechariah's prophecy in Luke chapter one. And then we'll look at the fulfillment of these prophecies in Luke chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to look with me at Isaiah chapter 9. If you don't, the words are in the Version Bible app, Interactive Notes, or on the screen. Let's read verses 1 through 3, and then we'll skip down to verses 6 and 7. The Bible says, But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun, and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nations, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with a joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil now skip down to verse six for to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this now if you would turn over to Luke chapter 1 and let's take a moment and see this prophecy also of Zechariah Luke 1, beginning in verse 68, Zechariah prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Then skip down to verse 76. He said, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to the people in in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And then chapter 2, verse 8, the fulfillment of these prophecies. Said, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. We'll stop there for now. We'll look at a couple other passages as we go on. But as we enter into this third week of our Advent series, the Anticipating Advent, I want us to pause for a moment and remember that Advent, the word Advent, refers to the coming or the arrival of the Messiah. And while we've been looking at these prophecies that were foretelling His coming, we've seen several overarching themes that emerge from these prophecies. The first week we talked about the theme of hope and how that hope is to be found in no one or nothing else than Jesus Christ. Hope is a person and his name is Jesus. I love the old hymn, uh, The Solid Rock. It starts out and it says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. So, Jesus Christ is that hope that we have. The second week of our series, we considered the concept of peace. And we determined that only Jesus is able to provide us with true and lasting peace. So today, we're going to focus our attention on this concept of joy. These three ideas are inseparably bound to one another you cannot have hope without peace and joy you cannot have peace without joy and hope and so on they are inseparable listen to how the apostle paul links all of these in one verse toward the end of the book of romans and actually it is the the verse that's on the the front of your bulletin cover this morning Romans chapter 15 verse 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. When we have peace with God through the power of the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus Christ reconciling us, when we have that peace it brings us joy and that joy gives us hope because we know we have an eternal destiny in heaven with God. What better reason to be joyful? So let's walk back through the text that we just read and consider a few things. First is the prophecy of light, joy, and peace. Looking at that passage in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 tells us that a child would be born. How long ago how long before the actual birth of Christ was this written? Over 700 years. And yet God allowed Isaiah to prophesy that a child would be born, a son would be given. And who would this son be? Well, he gives him four names here Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. We focused on the Prince of Peace and how that Jesus brings peace as a result, you know, his advent brought peace to the world. But let's not overlook the fact that Isaiah refers to this child that would be born as the mighty God, the everlasting Father. Isaiah is telling us that this child would be God with us. Emmanuel, just as we sang a few minutes ago when we sang, sing we the song of Emmanuel. God with us. He said that people are walking in darkness. As far as the curse is found, we're walking in darkness. They're walking in darkness, but they have seen a great light. They dwelt in a land of deep darkness, but on them has light shone. You see, not only was this a prophecy of peace, but this was also a prophecy of light, that Jesus would be the light of the world. And then it tells us in verse 3, that you have increased its joy. They rejoiced before you as with a joy of harvest. So Isaiah's prophecy is a prophecy of light, joy, and peace. It is the promise of Emmanuel. You see, the concept of God with us honestly can be viewed in many different ways. You know, it can be comforting to think, ah, God is with us. But also, it could be seen as something kind of scary. Ah, God is with us. Or a nuisance. But the good news is that the God who is with us is a God who wants to turn our darkness into light. He is a God who wants to turn our conflict into shalom or peace. He is a God who wants to turn our loss into abundance and our despair into joy. He has a passionate desire to do good to all people. And folks, if that's the kind of God that is with us, then that's good news for all eternity. This light, this joy, this peace was exactly what Zechariah was waiting for. For over 700 years since Isaiah had penned those words, There was Zechariah, a priest in Jerusalem, waiting for the Messiah to come. Now, I don't want to spend too much time here uh, because we'll be talking about uh, Zechariah next week uh, on Christmas Eve at our Christmas Eve service. And let me just pause and say, I hope you can all make it. Uh, We have services next week, no Sunday school, but we have services at 10.30 Sunday morning. And then we have our special Christmas Eve service at 5 o'clock Sunday afternoon. And it it will be a special uh, presentation uh, that you will not want to miss. But we'll talk more about Zechariah there. But just to give you a brief background of who we're talking about here Zechariah was the husband of Elizabeth. And he was a priest in Jerusalem and was an old man and did not have children and one day while he was ministering in the temple, uh, Zechariah had a vision of an angel, and the angel said, you're going to have a child. And he said, we're way too old for that. Um, And uh, he said, this is going to happen, and this son of yours is going to be the one who prepares the way for the Messiah. And we find uh, all of this uh, in, in Luke chapter 1 and so because he laughed because he questioned uh, the Lord struck him mute he was unable to speak and when he walked out from ministering in the temple that day he was unable to speak his wife Elizabeth did conceive a child in her old age but he was still unable to speak and so then the child was born and as was custom, they took the child to the temple to be dedicated and given a name. And when that happened, all of the people there wanted to name the child Zechariah in honor of his father. And uh, Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. John? There are no Johns in your family. How are you going to name the child John? So they went to Zechariah, who by this time, you know, after months and months of trying to communicate without being able to speak, was probably doing some sort of sign language or writing it out or whatever. He's trying to tell him his name is John, and all of a sudden, he's able to speak. He says his name is John. And then what happens, it tells us in verse 67, that he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he started prophesying and you know the interesting thing was Zechariah didn't start prophesying about his son but he started prophesying about the son of God the one that was to be born not the one that was just born even though that was pretty miraculous he was talking about the son that was to be born because he was going to redeem his people He was going to be that salvation that was promised by God. And so Zechariah's prophecy here is a prophecy of both peace and light. The interesting thing was, is after talking about the Christ child that was to be born, finally down here in verse 76, he says, And you, child... Now he's talking to his son, John, who then later we would come to know as John the Baptist. He's talking to his son and he said, you child, you will be called the prophet of the most high for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. He said, John, you're going to go before the Messiah. You're going to give people the knowledge of salvation that is come through the Messiah. You're going to talk to them about repenting of their sins and the forgiveness that they can experience as a result of the work of the Messiah. He said, Because of the tender mercy of God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. Isn't that beautiful? The sunrise shall visit us from on high. The light of the world came to earth. Emmanuel, God with us. To give us light. To give light to those who sit in darkness. And to guide our feet to the way of peace. Jesus later said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. And no one comes to the Father unless they come through me. John the Baptist prepared the way for that message. And folks, we are able to have peace with God because of what Jesus has done. It tells us here in this passage in verse 68 that he would redeem his people. Yes, he redeemed his people. He paid the price for sin when he died on the cross that redemption, that he purchased us off the sin block, the the uh, slave block of sin, and paid the price for our freedom. He redeemed us. He's forgiven us. He's shown us the way to salvation by giving us the knowledge of how to, by giving us the light to show us, and then guiding us into the way of peace. Zechariah's prophecy was a prophecy of peace and light. And in his great joy, he confirmed the prophecy of Isaiah, that the Messiah would be light to the world and that he would be the one who brought peace to everyone. Now, we need to understand historically here, Isaiah's prophecy was over 700 years before the birth of Christ. Zechariah's prophecy also came before the birth of Christ by at least three months or so. (laughs) But notice the confirmation that we read of this prophecy from Luke chapter 2. You see, we see a proclamation of good news and great joy from the angels. They appeared to shepherds, And and it says that the glory of the Lord shone around them. What is that? It's light. It's light. The glory of the Lord is light. Just as Jesus was the light of the world, those who sent to proclaim his birth announcement were surrounded by that same light. And they said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid. For behold, what? I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Jesus' arrival was good news that brought great joy. You know, I was watching uh, another video this this past week. Uh, This video was one of those videos, you've probably seen it, where somebody with a microphone walks up to somebody on the street and they say, da-da-da-da-da, and they try to get a, a quick response. Well, this was another video about what is joy. And just walking up to people on the street, what is joy, and, and sometimes they would say, what is Christmas joy, and, and the answers varied. There were all kinds of different answers that, that people gave. But there was this one particular lady Whose answer struck me in in an interesting way. She said, when asked, what is joy? She says, <laughs> I, I don't know. And she was really joyful as she said. She had no idea what joy was. Um, and the host looked at her and he said, Well, you seem like you understand what it is. Um, what, you know. And it was in that moment that she explained. She, sa- you know, she had just said, "I don't know what what joy is," but then she explained that she was a follower of Jesus Christ. And you know, because she was a follower of Jesus Christ, she had no reason to be sad. She had no reason to be angry. She was just joyful. Her joy was Jesus. And the thing was, is that joy was evident. It was visible to everyone else because it was simply a natural product of the joy that she had because of her daily relationship with the Lord. I wonder this morning, is it realistic to have that kind of unconcealed joy you know there was once a time in my life that I wo- I proudly wore the nickname of Eeyore you know who Eeyore is in the hundred acre wood christopher robin winnie the pooh and Eeyore I hope I'm not that person anymore I'm looking at my girls over here to see if that's true or not but you know um, if we know the Lord as our Savior if we're walking with Him day by day shouldn't that be visible to other people and I'm not just talking about other believers I'm talking about everybody when they meet you shouldn't they see joy just kind of bubbling out of you I want us to consider a moment the Israelite situation that they faced during the exodus uh, if you look at uh, the the book of exodus the first several chapters um, up through about chapter 13 if my memory serves you know that it's all the things that took place before the Israelites were let go you see the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt and there were a bunch of them and so they were they were slaves in the country of Egypt and God sent Moses in to tell Pharaoh to let his people go you know the story probably um if you don't it's a great story um But all these different things happened, and eventually, after all of these plagues that took place, Pharaoh said, go, get out of here. And so the the Israelites left Egypt, and then Pharaoh changed his mind, chased after him, and then you have that amazing story about the the crossing of the Red Sea, how that uh, God made a path on dry ground for the Israelites to go across, and the Egyptians followed them in, and then the waters came over them and killed all of the Egyptian army and there they are on the opposite side. They've just been delivered from Egypt. Now, let's take a moment to think about this like Eeyore would think about this. Great. We've just walked away from our homes, our jobs, our source of income and food, even if it was a bad situation. We had food to feed ourselves. We had shelters to live in, and we've just walked across this ocean that God miraculously opened up, and now he closed it, and we can't get back. I mean, that's one way of viewing this. We're a long way from that place that God has promised us. And by the way, oh, by the way, we're in the middle of a desert (laughs) with no water to drink, no food to eat. Is that how they responded? Not at all. You see, as soon as they got to the other side, we find in Exodus 15 what is referred to in my Bible, the the heading, as the the Song of Moses. And I'm not going to read that today because we're about out of time, but I I wanted to take just a moment and think about this perception of joy in deliverance. The perception israel's perception of joy in deliverance they could have looked at it the way i just described but instead they rejoiced because god had delivered them and the psalmist in psalm 105 looks back at that and i don't know if you realize this but the the jewish culture the the hebrew culture was one where they they shared stories through songs to remind the people of all that god had done in their past psalm 105 and psalm 106 are kind of those summaries of all the things that god had done and if you look at psalm 105 verse 1 it says oh give thanks to the lord call upon his name make known his deeds among the peoples sing to him Sing, to, sing praises to him, tell of all his wondrous works. And so it goes on, and it, it, it has a lot there. I don't have time to read it all. But if you get all the way down to verse 42, it says, For he remembered his holy promise, and Abraham his servant. What, what are we talking about? Well, it's, it's the Abrahamic covenant that we find back in Genesis, where it says that all the nations of the earth would be blessed through your family, and that your family would become you know as the stars in the sky, innumerable. And so he said he remembered his promise in verse 43. Psalm 543. So he brought his people out with joy, his chosen ones with singing. And then verses later it says praise the lord when the people of israel were brought out of egypt they were brought out with joy now let's think about our situation because you see egypt is a picture in scripture it is a an analogy for sin And the people were enslaved to Egypt just as we today, because of the curse of sin in our life, we find ourselves enslaved to sin and needing deliverance from that sin. So, the last thing I want us to look at this morning is a posture of joy in our salvation. A posture of joy. You see, when God offers us salvation, when God offers us deliverance, we need to receive it and be joyful in it. That doesn't mean everything's going to be okay. In fact, the curse of sin continues and will continue. And folks, life is hard. That's why God gave us one another, to help one another when we need it. But that still doesn't take away the difficulty of life in general. The question is, is what's our posture? As we face life, what is our posture? Are we going to choose joy Or are we going to choose pessimism? Are we going to choose, oh, I'm so busy. Life's so hard. Jesus addressed this. And yes, I'm talking about his birth here in Luke 2. Now let's go and talk about the night before he died. (laughs) He addressed this in John chapter 15. You know, that that passage that starts out by saying, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. He's talking to his disciples there in the upper room in Jerusalem. Verse 11 of chapter 15 says this, These things I have spoken to you. Why? Why are you saying all this, Jesus? He said, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. It was his will, it was his desire for us to live lives of joy. Two chapters later, after he finished his upper room discourse, we find Jesus in John chapter 17 praying. And in John 17, verse 13, as he speaks to the Father, he said, But now I am coming to you. He knew his time was at hand. He knew he was about to be crucified. He said, I am coming to you. And these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. wants us one of the last things he prayed for us is that we would have his joy fulfilled in our lives a few verses later he said sanctify them in the truth your word is truth. as you sent me into the world so I have sent them into the world My question to you today is what kind of ambassador are you for Jesus Christ in your world today? Are you the kind that people see and say there's something different about that person? There's some sort of special joy that I see in that person. What could it be? What could it be? you've never experienced that joy in your life personally I want you to know that God is offering forgiveness of sins through his son Jesus Christ you can receive that by grace through faith in Jesus Christ if you want to know more about that I would love to talk to you about that uh, following our services this morning if you've already experienced that that new life in Christ would you please try to exude a little more joy would you please spend a little more time with the Lord and let that joy become overflowing and overflowing well inside of you reminds me of the Chris Tomlin song Uh, another version of joy to the world God wants us to be joyful people because he knows that joy uh, joy is contagious let's pray Father we thank you for your son Jesus and the, the free gift of eternal life that he has given to us through his death and resurrection and Father I just pray that as we consider these things this morning that we would be people of joy. People would ask the question, why are we like what we're like? That we can be a representative of you in a special way to the world. Lord, help us to carry this joy to the world. Father, if there are any here today that do not know you, Father, I just pray.